welcome to She's Running. This is the podcast dedicated to talking to women who are running for office locally, nationally, and everything in between. I'm Emily Jackson, and on the pod today, I've got Kathy Tran, who is running for delegate in Virginia. That's right, another awesome lady running for office in Virginia. I hear there's quite a few of them. So is everyone feeling patriotic after Memorial Day? I hope so. Patriotism is hard sometimes. Actually, it's hard a lot of the time. For me, anyway. It's hard to be patriotic about a country that seems to hate you, or hate people you like, or people you're friends with. How do you salute the same flag that's worn by people you fundamentally disagree with? A flag that's worn by hate-filled racists. The kind of racists who kill two men because they were standing up for the rights of two women on a bus. The kind of awful human who stabs a 23-year-old second lieutenant just because of the man's skin color. How do we as Americans continue to love our country when there's so much to despair about? This is something I really struggle with. I'm amazed at people who are overtly patriotic. I saw a woman this weekend who was decked out in her red, white, and blue. She even had a white sailor's cap on. And we were not at an event. This was just lunch on Saturday. I mean, it was cute, but it seemed, I don't know, simplistic? I just wanted to ask her, how do you do this? How do you love this country so much that you are literally dressed head to toe in these colors? Don't you know how many problems we have? Don't you see the faults? But when I think about it, I think I'm the simplistic one. I don't expect my friends and loved ones to have no faults. I love them in spite of, and sometimes because of these faults. I guess I can appreciate what is great about the United States and do my part to fix what's broken and ugly. So yeah, patriotism is hard. But that doesn't mean I don't appreciate what I've got. Anyway, here's Kathy Tran, a pretty kick-ass woman. Okay, so I love the picture that you've got on your website and your um, Twitter photo cover of you and just a giant group of people. Is that your team? That, um, those are some fantastic supporters that we have from the district and the and our com- surrounding community. And so we're really excited about them. Um, folks that have, you know, volunteered for the campaign in different capacities and such. And so um, I'm just really delighted that they are part of my larger team. That's a great image. I love how you've got like, all kinds of different people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that really is, you know, I, this district is a very diverse district, but it's also, I think, a testament to kind of our vision, our larger and broader vision for Virginia and the community, and that it is something that really resonates with people across, you know, different points of life um, and different types of racial and ethnic backgrounds. Um, so we're really excited about that. So before we get too far into our conversation, we should probably introduce you. So who are you and for what are you running? So my name is Kathy Tran and I am running for the Virginia House of Delegates to represent my community, the 42nd District in Richmond. Um, I came to this country as a refugee when I was almost two years old. Um, At the end of the Vietnam War, my parents were determined not to raise their family under tyranny. So they left the only home they know in search of hope, opportunity, and freedom. And I'm running today because those values that they risked our lives for are under threat. So you've got a real personal connection to immigration and refugees. So how is it like for you seeing what's happening right now currently? 
Oh, it's a very personal issue, like you said. Um, and, and it's just absolutely devastating to me personally. You know, we, my country, my country, my family was able to survive after the war because America took our family in and America welcomed our family. And I think those, you know, is a, an example of America at its best, of being welcoming, of communities coming together um, to look after others and to help others, you know, get their footing in this country. And for us now to turn our backs on people who are desperately in need, um, who are fleeing from terror, um, is such a personal issue to me. And it makes me extremely sad. You know, <laughs> that was the baby burping. Um, <laughs> and it, it really was kind of the, the huge impetus um, for for the direction the country was heading in is a huge impetus for why I decided to run. You know, I was pregnant with my fourth child um, and due on inauguration day. So after the election, you know, I was, my husband and I were really concerned um, to say the least about the mm -hmm. direction this country was heading in. And so we wanted to make sure that our baby's name reflected our values. It was really important to us that this baby carried on those values for the rest of his or her life. And so our child's name is Elise Minkun, um, and Elise was inspired by Ellis Island. And Matt has family that were escaping from anti-Semitism at the turn of the century um, and fled, you know, and passed through Ellis Island um, in their search for opportunity in America. And Minkun is Vietnamese for bright or shiny bell, and that was inspired by the Liberty Bell. And so her name means to us to ring the bells of liberty and champion opportunity for all. And so... You know, what was happening in January is in direct conflict to that um, in terms of the immigration ban and the proposals that the Trump administration put forward. And it was just really hurtful on a personal level for me um, in terms of my own family history, but also for Matt in terms of, of his um, family history of folks who are escaping from anti-Semitism. And I think for so many, like for so many others, um, it's just been a really trying time. What made you decide like, okay, this is what I'm doing, I need to run for office. You know, I really felt that the direct, you know, these values I spoke about earlier of hope, opportunity, mm -hmm. and freedom that, that my parents came to America for, that so many others look to America for in terms of leadership um, are truly under threat. Then you, I had, you know, I had this baby and I had given her such an aspirational name. Um, and I felt that I couldn't possibly just sit on the sidelines and rest upon her shoulders, the responsibility of creating that future for herself and her generation, right? Like I needed to mm -hmm. step up as well. And you'll recall in January, there was an immigration ban. There's a whole conversation around schools and the nomination of secretary, you know, of Betsy DeVos, who later on became secretary in terms of, you know, completely questioning the value of public schools and a public edu school education. Um, that's, you know, an anathema to kind of, my experience in the schools, my experience and my priorities as a mom of four, um, I want every child in this country to have a strong educational background. I want our public schools to be the best. And they truly are, you know, the one way that we have in terms of being aspirational to create an equal start for everybody. And so, you know, that was kind of really against my own values. And so those, that culmination of things and the realization that that this is not the direction um, of, for our country that I want my children to be raised in. And so I needed to stand up 
and a legacy that my husband and I want to leave for all four of our kids is the knowledge that in this moment of crisis that our country is facing, that he and I are doing absolutely everything we can to fight hard for them and for all the kids in our state. And so that's why I decided to run the realization that strong state leadership is extremely crucial at this time, right? Um, And Mm -hmm. it's that states have this opportunity to show a different vision and to realize a different vision for people that we're not going to take the Trump administration's um, extreme policies. And we're also not going to take extreme Republican policies in our own state that we are going to put forward a progressive democratic vision and agenda, and we're going to get it done um, and have a different type of future for our kids. And you've got quite a civil service background. You've spent, uh, or you began your career in the Department of Labor, right? Yeah, yeah. So I've, you know, dedicated my entire career to making sure that all Americans have the skills they need to succeed in their own careers. And um, that was really inspired by kind of my experience um, in the Vietnamese diaspora and for so many other families as well, right? Where work is, you know, a an important part of your identity, an important part of who you aspire to be, um, a means to provide for your family and to make sure that everybody is on a pathway to economic prosperity. Um, And so making sure that people have the skills and the credentials they need to realize their full career potential was something that I've been very passionate about. And I spent 12 years at the U.S. Department of Labor. I started as a presidential management fellow after graduate school. And there I got to work in various management and leadership positions and really got to shape national workforce policies and programs. And then after the Department of Labor, I worked in immigration advocacy at the intersection of immigration reform and workforce policies, really focusing on helping to make sure that immigrants had the skills um, that they needed to succeed and contribute to the labor force. And so, but all the, you know, all the policies that affect immigrants, whether you're low skilled or high skilled or just striving to change your job are really policies that affect all Americans. And so that's just was a great opportunity to parlay that expertise into a specific kind of community. What are some of your core issues? No, I think that's a, you know, a great question. So I mentioned before that I'm really passionate about making sure that all kids have a strong educational foundation. Like so many other families, my husband and I moved to this community when our oldest son was about to start kindergarten because we wanted all of our kids to have access to good public schools, right? And I I know that other families kind of look around and do a lot of research, at least in this particular area, to make sure that their kids are able to access the schools. And so I served on our PTA board last year and have started my tenure as the president for this coming school year and really excited about that. So I want to go to Richmond and fight for our kids and our families, our teachers and our communities by making sure we're investing in our schools, that we are able to attract the best teachers, that we're able to offer robust academic and extracurricular activities so that all of our kids can thrive. Virginia is one of the top 10 wealthiest states in the country, and yet we rank 43rd in terms of investments into the of state investments into the public school system. So that's just oh, an really? abomination. I also want to make sure that we are able to grow our economy by investing in the workforce, investing in the people. So I want to take my expertise and experience from um, working in workforce development at the Department of Labor to Richmond and help to push for policies such as expanding career and technical education, apprenticeships, um, lowering the cost of public higher education so that 
people can get the skills they need, reach their full career potential, and not, you know, dig themselves into a huge financial hole in terms of higher ed, but also the realization that for so many young adults and working adults um, who are trying to upgrade their skills, um, sometimes getting, you know, the pathway isn't a direct pathway to a four-year institution, but it's getting skills and getting experiences in different ways and making sure that we're investing the workforce to meet employers' talent needs. And then lastly, I want to make sure that we're able to create a welcoming and inclusive Virginia, that we are protecting and expanding all of our civil rights for women like you and me. You know, all this kind of, I think that all the recent healthcare conversations and the look at redoing the Affordable Care Act really takes, you know, is an assault on women's health care. And it's for making sure that we're standing strong for immigrants and refugees. For, you know, my husband and kids are Jewish, and there's such a rise in anti-Semitism right now. Our neighbors are Muslim, and we have friends that are LGBTQ and African-American, and we need to make sure that we are creating um, this inclusive Virginia for all, particularly now. I think so many of us feel vulnerable given the extreme policies at the federal level and some within our own state. Um, so I want to take the experience that I had working in immigration advocacy, that passion, um, to Richmond and advocate on behalf of all Virginians. What's the process of running been like for you so far? Um, it's just been a, a big surprise, I think. And, and, you know, it's a steep learning curve. Um, I have a fantastic campaign manager, Noah Kim, who really helps steer our ship. I've never run for office before. And um, I was able to take training through Emerge Virginia. And it was um, an incredible opportunity to be with other women who are interested in running for office and making sure that our voices are being heard in Richmond and throughout the state. And so that was really helpful. But I think what's been really surprising in terms of this campaign is the positive reception I've had um, in terms of being a mom that's running. I think a lot of other moms and folks are like, uh, you know, I can't imagine juggling all of that with, um, you know, four kids or one kid or two, <laughs> but you have four. And I, I never bite off what I can't chew, I think. Um, and I always, you know, to me, it's like, if something I want to do, I'm going to go make sure that I have the the ability to do it, right? Like, um, And so, you know, my husband is all in and super supportive, and that's been wonderful. And we have such a strong network of friends who are able to make sure that, you know, our house keeps on running, right? Our kids need to get to where they need to go. Um, but regardless of whether or not I ran, having four kids means I'm outnumbered. So I need to have that strong <laughs> community support. And so it's just actually been really fantastic. And when we knock on doors, I get just so much encouragement from other people, whether they're moms or dads or grandparents, or if they don't have any kids, just the realization that it's this important to me and to this community that we're standing really strong against the Republican agenda right now. Um, and so that's just been a really, you know, really delightful aspect of running. What are some obstacles that you've faced, if any? Having not run for office before, it's really trying to understand the ins and outs of, um, of a campaign, right? Mm -hmm. Like the different components of a campaign. We have done really well on fundraising, but I think the realization that mounting a successful campaign requires a lot of funds and being able to expand our personal network and tapping into other new donors to be able to help support that campaign is definitely something I think all candidates have to figure out, right? And we've been really fortunate that I've had, you know, new and old friends, um, wonderful family members who've really stepped up to give. I've been, you know, if elected, I would be the first Asian American woman elected 
to state government in Virginia and the first Vietnamese-American popularly elected at any level in the state. So those are two huge milestones, and they've been really inspirational milestones for a national network of Asian-Americans, of immigrants and refugees, of Vietnamese-Americans who are just really excited about this opportunity and have been really supportive. Um, So I'm grateful for that. But it's um, really just trying to figure out, you know, how to how to to mobilize new voters who have never donated to a political campaign before, but have been engaged in other ways. Right. So that's been you know, I think that's something all candidates have to figure out. I think another, you know, kind of new piece that I've had to really learn, too, is just getting folks to help volunteer. And we've been really fortunate that we've had a good um, group of folks who've come out for us um, and help door knock and canvas, which is such a critical part of campaigning, is not just getting our message out, but also hearing directly from people who live in the community what their priorities and issues are. But for for many of these folks, it's their first time canvassing. Um, people aren't used to, you know, incorporating kind of that aspect of a campaign into their lives um, and figuring out how to do that, I think is really wonderful. We've had parents come out and campaign with their kids. Um, And planting the seeds of activism for our children at a young age has just been really awesome to see. Um, But, you know, and it's juggling those schedules because our volunteers are just regular folks with families who want to get involved. Um, And so I think that's uh, helping them figure out how to how to fit this campaign and volunteering um, opportunities into their lives is another part of it. But so obstacles you know, sometimes make me think of challenges that are insurmountable. These are all surmountable. I think we are really (laughs) excited. We're almost at the primary on June 13th, but they've just been things that we've had to figure out and learn about as we go along. And I'm excited because to see so many other new candidates who are coming out, a lot of moms who want to run and just being at the forefront of that, I think we have a lot of good lessons learned for future campaigns. So how do you find that you get your volunteers? Like, how do you put it out there that you are running and you have these volunteer positions that you're looking for? Um, so, I mean, a lot of it is on social media. I think that um, people are going to look back on 2017 and 2018 and particularly the new energy that has come out after the election and after mm-hmm. the Women's March and really think about ways to use social media to energize and galvanize people and to organize, right? Um, and I think this is going to be a banner. Um, 2017, 2018 are going to be banner years to look at how to do that for an election. But the other way really is good old fashioned door knocking. I didn't quite understand the importance of that, of, of door knocking until I'm in my own campaign, right? And so there are lots of people who um, may not be kind of active on social media and paying attention to those conversations because they're engaged in their communities in different ways and giving back in different ways. And it's only through knocking on doors and being able to share our vision and our message for this community and being able to hear people's priorities and issues and getting people really excited and engaged. And that's how we're signing people up to volunteer, to host canvases, to spread the word amongst their own friends and networks. I mean, I think that that's just been a really critical part of it. You know, I've been out door knocking every single weekday and all day on Saturdays and Sundays. Um, and I just find that to be one of the most rewarding parts of um, campaigning period. So you've got a primary on June 13th. Mm-hmm. How many opponents do you have or people that you're running against? So I am, for the Democratic primary, I have one opponent. Okay. And in Virginia, is it just a Democratic primary or is it a total primary so that the top two then go to the 
regular general election? How does that work in Virginia? Uh, great question. So in Virginia, you when you register to vote, you do not register by party. Okay. So when you go to the polls, you get to ask in the primary, you ask for a certain ballot, right? You either ask for the Republican ballot or the Democratic ballot. Um, and so that's how you would vote. And then in the general election, you just have the one ballot and then you get to vote for whomever. But so the primaries are you know, by party, but you don't have to register by party. So you can vote in any primary. Oh, so you can vote. So you can vote for any party in the primary. Yeah, but you get the, um, the ballot is by party. So um, you would come in to the polls in a primary and you would say, hi, I'd like the Democratic ballot, please. And then they would give that to you. Um, And so then you can only vote for candidates who are Democrats. Gotcha. Yeah. But you, when you register, you do not register by party. So you could theoretically switch up ballots if you wanted every primary. Okay. How do people get involved with your campaign? Where can they find you either online or in person in this last push before the primary? Thank you for helping us um, <laughs> do this last push. Um, so my website is www.kathy4delegate.com. And there are ways um, you can sign up to volunteer and you can also sign up to donate to our campaign. Um, we are close to our fundraising goal, um, but we just have a little bit more to go. Um, And we want to reach it as soon as possible so that we could focus on the door knocking and talking to voters, like I said before. You could also find us on Facebook, which is facebook.com forward slash Kathy for Delegate. And so those are, I'm also on Twitter. And my handle is at Kathy K.L. Tran. So we're really excited. So for those of us who aren't in Virginia, what is your district like? We're actually, um, size-wise, it's really big. We are located... Um, We're in Northern Virginia, so we are a suburb of Washington, D.C. Lots of people commute into the city to work. I used to do that myself. Um, So that's kind of physically where we're located. We are a mix of people with young families and retirees. Um, We're pretty diverse. As of 2010, we were 16% Asian American, about 11% African American, and 8% um, Hispanic. So that was 2010. We expect those numbers to have increased in the last seven years. So it's a pretty diverse community. And then I would say we're middle to upper middle income, although there have been an increase in the numbers of, you know, for example, at my elementary school and the numbers of kids who need, who qualify for free and reduced lunch. So we do see, uh, you know, a change in that and income levels coming in. And then the other piece I think that's really important in terms of our district is how we've been doing in elections. So we're really unique, and this race is really unique in that we are an open race right now. The Republican incumbent who was in this position for 23 years announced his retirement, and so we are one of the most competitive races in Virginia, so we're really excited about that opportunity. This district has voted consistently for Democrats um, in presidential and off-cycle uh, off years, like such as this year, right? Um, for the statewide position. So for governor, lieutenant governor, and attorney general, we voted for Democrats in the last, you know, kind of handful of elections. Hillary Clinton won our district by 20 percentage points, 14 points more than President Obama did in 2012. Um, So it was a huge victory for her. Yep. However, we've like consistently voted for this Republican delegate because, you know, he was born and raised here. His parents still live here. So you run into people who are like, oh, I know his mom, or I went to high school with him. And, you know, even yesterday I met a woman uh, while I was out door knocking who said, I vote for Democrats 
in every position, except I've always voted for the Republican incumbent because I knew him as a young man, right? So this election is going to really give Democrats who've consistently voted for the Republican delegate incumbent to vote for their Democratic values. Um, and so we're really excited about that. We think that, you know, it's a, a must-win seat for Democrats in the fall. Um, and so we're uh, working really hard to make sure that people are able to understand that, that, you know, about our campaign and what we're bringing to the table. Well, it's very exciting. <laughs> Good luck on the 13th. I will be watching the primary. I know there's lots of women running in Virginia, and it's very exciting things happening there. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I just want to, I want to close by saying, you know, when I was, um, I mentioned that I was at the Emerge Virginia training, mm -hmm. and it was a boot camp, um, and there was like 25 women who were running mainly for the delegate position all throughout the state. And it was so empowering to be around this table with all these other women. Some of them were moms. Some of them were work, also had other jobs, right? Like women at different, you know, in all different ages. Um, so at such different stages in their lives, doing so many amazing things. And, but the determination to make sure that our voices are heard, to make sure that um, women have a seat at the table, that women are engaged in making laws that affect our lives, that affect ourselves and our children and our families. Um, it was just amazing, right? And I feel so proud to be a part of this groundswell of women running, um, to be at the forefront of that just because we have the first election coming up time-wise. But it's just really amazing. And I hope that my campaign, and I hope that everything that's happening in Virginia is inspiring to other women across this country, and that in the 2018 races, we're going to see even you know, more women running in so many other states. I think this is just the tip of the iceberg, and we're really excited to be a part of it. Ooh, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for chatting with me. Thank you so much, Emily. I really appreciate your time and this opportunity. Thanks for listening, guys. Big shout out to Kathy Tran for talking to me. You can find her campaign at kathyfordelegate.com or on Facebook at Kathy for Delegate and on Twitter at Kathy K.L. Tran. Thanks for listening to She's Running. You can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at She's Running Pod. You can usually find me on Twitter. So if you've got a question, a comment, a suggestion, whatever, hit me up. Rate, review, and subscribe to She's Running on iTunes. And if you do that, then you should shoot me an email at she'srunningpod at gmail.com, and I will send you a She's Running campaign button. What else? Um, tell a friend about the show. Um, we've got a lot of new listeners, so hey, guys. Um, <laughs> thanks for tuning in. And I think that's it. Um, yeah, thanks. Talk to you soon. Mm -hmm.